Hello. My name is David, and uh, we're going to spend some time together now. Uh, really thinking about that passage that Katie read for us, 1 John chapter 1, and uh, I'm going to pray as we do that. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to us, uh, that we would see these words as written in the scriptures as words written for us, that we would learn from them. Help us today to be honest with ourselves, to recognise truly who we are and what we are like, such that we would know the truth about you and what we need to do to find eternity, to find relationship with you, to find fellowship with you and with your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Which would you prefer? Would you prefer justice or would you prefer mercy? Would you prefer it personally, right? I mean, just think for yourself for a moment. Would you prefer justice that is somehow for all the things that you have done in your life, whether good or bad, to receive either punishment or reward in the grand scheme of things? Or would you prefer mercy? Would you prefer actually that, in fact, it just be somehow smoothed over and made right? I suspect most of us will say, I'll have mercy, thanks. Is that, is that kind of where most of us would land? We know what we're like, we know what we've done. But what about in the cosmic sense, though? What if we stop and think in the big picture? Would you prefer justice or mercy? You say mercy, right? For the murderer? For the pedophile? For those who have, are truly the worst, just whatever it might be for you? Justice? or It starts to get a little bit stranger, doesn't it? And I suspect most of us, by the time we're honestly speaking about it, probably end up a little bit further down the justice end of things. I want wickedness to find its right end. I want those who have abused and <laughs> done have their way with others to have to give an account. I really would like mercy for me, if that's okay but justice for everyone else. Is it possible to have them both? It seems so hard to have them both at once. One seems to require that you do not have the other. In 2008, Esteban Nunez and Ryan Jett stabbed Luis Santos in the heart and killed him. This happened in California in the US. And uh, they got 16 years in prison for it. As part of a plea deal, they pleaded guilty, they got given voluntary manslaughter instead of second-degree murder, and they did 16... Well, they got given a jail sentence of 16 years. Now, we would say that's justice, and, and really justice, but kind of justice without mercy. I mean, the two guys, Esteban and Ryan, they really weren't the same kind of people. Esteban was just a kid, really, no prior conviction. A whole bunch of people came forward to testify about his character, to say that he was, he was just a misguided kid. He should have had a lighter sentence. There should have been mercy in there, somehow. But the family of the victim of Luis, they were good. They're like, yep, justice has happened. Can you have both? Can you have justice and mercy? A couple of years later... The governor of California, uh, and really I'm only telling you this story because I, I, I just am bemused by the fact that this man was the governor of California at the time. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor of California. It did, it's a perfectly ordinary English sentence, but it's one of those things that just doesn't quite convey the meaning. I mean, look, sure, he looks more like a politician. There you go. 
It was the governor of California at the time. With just minutes left before his second term as governor ended, he commuted the sentence of those two men. They didn't even tell the family of the victim. They found out because a reporter called them to say, Did you, how do you feel that the people who murdered your son are about to be set free? Mercy, but it feels like justice was thwarted. Didn't help the fact that Esteban's dad, Fabian, was uh, one of the top-ranking Democrats, and there was basically political cronyism going on, as far as anyone could tell. It was a perversion of justice. Can you have both? Can you have both for us? Can we have both for others? Can we have justice and mercy when it comes in particular to God? I mean, we want both. We want mercy upon ourselves, and yet we want the wicked to have to face an account. I don't remember when, uh, when Cardinal Pell was going through the trial just recently. There were people picketing outside the courtroom signs that said, Cardinal Pell, burn in hell. There's this deep-seated drive and desire to see justice come about, particularly for the worst. Can we have some way in which sin is rightly punished and yet eternal life is given in mercy? Now, as we come through our passage today, I hope that we're going to see that it is in fact possible. Now, if you remember last week, uh, there is a message, we said last week, there is a message that can bring you into eternal life. There is a message that can bring you into eternal life. A claim, if you like, that was based, again, we saw this last week, on the strongest possible evidence, that of the eyewitnesses, the ones who saw the risen Jesus himself. A message that begins with God. Now, come to 1 John chapter 1. Again, you've got one of the Brown Pew Bibles, page 1183. We are going to read through most of this again. This is just a practice, right? Make sure you're reading the Bible to make sure that what I say is from here. I don't want to be making stuff up. What we hear is from God. The message begins with God, this message that can bring you into eternal life. Here it is, chapter 1 of 1 John and verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. It's a message that begins about God with, with a picture, a metaphor. It's a very helpful metaphor because it's very intuitive. God is light and where there is light, there is no darkness. It, it, we, we just understand that intuitively. It, it, by definition, darkness is the absence of light. You should turn a light on in the dark room and hey, the darkness is gone. God is light such that in him there is no darkness. Therefore, in order to be in fellowship with God, in order to be connected in a relationship with God, you must be in the light. Live in the light. Walk in the light. Not just talk, but walk. This is where I want to start. I want to start with the negative. That is, you cannot walk in darkness and have fellowship with God. You cannot walk in darkness and have fellowship with God. Now, if you've got one of the handouts, there's a little outline of what I'm going to say in there if you find that helpful to follow along. So here it is again, right? Verse 5, this is the message we've heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So, verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie 
and do not live by the truth. There are some things that are incompatible. You just can't have both. Some of them are obvious, light and darkness, as we already said. That you, you, it's impossible to have both at once. You try and have both light. and You can have shadows, but a shadow just means you need a brighter light, right? It's not actually light and darkness together. Or truth and lies. They are incompatible. If you have truth, then you don't have lies. If you have lies and deception, then you don't have truth. But John says there is something else that is incompatible that is not quite so obvious, which is fellowship and darkness. They are incompatible. To have fellowship, to have an open, honest, clear, transparent relationship with somebody is impossible if one or more of those people are in darkness still. I mean, just stop and think about it for a moment, right? Imagine you're hanging out with your, with your best mate. I don't know, whatever it is that you do with your mate. You're, you're gone fishing, you're playing a board game, you're whatever, whatever it is that floats your boat, right? Uh, you're doing some target shooting. I've, uh, I've been, anyway, right? Whatever it is that you want to hang out with your friends and, uh, and enjoy doing. Now, picture doing that in pitch black. Just, just no, I mean, I guess blind people must live that way and, you know, that they, they work out their ways. But, right, just take the picture for a moment. You're doing target shooting in pitch black. You're doing you're fishing and there's just zero light. It, it, it doesn't happen. In fact, push it metaphorically. Think about a relationship where one person is committed to lying and deceit. What sort of a relationship? You cannot have fellowship if you are caught up in darkness. They are incompatible. And so John points out the impossible. If You are in darkness. If you walk in darkness, you cannot have fellowship with God. Because God is light. In him there is no darkness. This is the first of two truths about sin that I want to point out today. About this rejection of God that most of us live in. Jesus, when Jesus came to earth... He came to the Jews. He he was a Jewish man, so fair enough. He he was born in Israel and he came to the Jews. He came to this group of people who were God's own people. I mean, we talk about God's own country, right? We have a bit of a laugh about the Shire and we kind of talk about packing your passport to get there and all the rest of it, right? This truly was God's own country. God's special chosen people. These were, if any people in the whole world were going to have a claim to be light, it was these guys. And do you know what Jesus said to them? Very early on in his time, he walked up to them, he said, You are slaves of sin. You are the offspring of the devil. He said that to them who were God's chosen people. I mean, what hope do we have? This is the truth. This is the reality about humanity. We walk in darkness. We are slaves of sin, incapable of escaping that which flows out from. We're a fountain of darkness, if you want a picture. I'm sure it would look really cool with some big budget special effects to have a person who's a fountain of darkness. But it is disastrous. For we cannot possibly have fellowship with God. We don't want to hear that, do we? I mean, who likes being told you're a dirty, rotten so-and-so? 
None of us want to hear it. In fact, if anything, it's kind of the, 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 the new basis of our society. You're allowed to do whatever you want as long as you don't tell me that what I'm doing is wrong. As long as you don't condemn my choices. As long as you don't judge my lifestyle. As long as you don't point out my sin, then that's fine. That's our culture right now. What do you think about, um, what is it, Izzy Falau, right? You, you think about that bloke for a moment. We're, we're, we're tolerant, we're inclusive, unless you say that I'm sinful and then we will not tolerate you anymore. The one thing we don't want is people to point out our wickedness. In fact, it's what we do of ourselves. We don't want to admit to ourselves that we're this kind of person. Oh, I'm all right. We have any number of excuses, of ways that we just ignore it and try to hide it and pretend. Oh, I, I just couldn't help it. I'm, I'm a victim, really, of circumstances. It wasn't my fault. It's in their best interest for me to do this. Everyone's doing it. I mean, no one's going to get caught, so it doesn't matter. It was no alternative. I had to do it. It was a moment of weakness. That's all. It was just a moment of weakness. I'm not as bad as they are. I mean, you, any number of excuses. I was, um, I was in hospital last Friday. The, the, the fingers, you know the story. Anyway, I'm fine. But the bloke next to me, he wasn't quite so okay. He also had a hand injury and he had managed to smash the bone in his thumb. And uh, so we're, we're in the emergency at Campbelltown Hospital and they kind of went, look, we can't fix that. Um, it's not just a matter of stitching you back up, right? They just stitched me back up. They couldn't do that to him. So they're like, we'll, we'll book you into the hand clinic at Fairfield Hospital for tomorrow. This was Friday for Saturday. And, uh, and they'll, they'll chop off the top of your thumb, basically. That, that's, that's, you know, um, they'll fix it for you. And, uh, and we'll, just, we'll just pump you some antibiotics, right? They put an IV drip in and we'll put some antibiotics into you. We'll send you home. Just go home and rest. You need the antibiotics so that it doesn't get infected. And, uh, and tomorrow they'll deal with it. And the bloke's like, yep, no worries. I'm, I'm not going back to work. I'll, um, I might just go by the pub and I'll, I'll have a beer or two and uh, that'll just help dull the pain. And, uh, and they'll just go and sleep and we're good. And the nurse just looks at him and goes, no, the alcohol will undo the effects of the antibiotics. You go and have a beer or two, it gets infected and we cut your whole hand off. And the bloke was like, oh, but I just, I just can't help it. It just calls to me. You know, I, I know, I know, I'm just, I won't be able to help it. I'll just have to duck into the, just one or two, that's all, just one or two. I bet you'll, you'll be right. That's what we all do, right? We have our own lame excuses for the darkness that comes out from within. Thinking that, no, it doesn't really matter. It's just okay. Perhaps, though, you might think, well, it doesn't really matter because I'm not as bad as someone else. I think this is where I, this is my excuse to myself. You know, I'm not one of those people who stabs someone else in the heart. I'm, I'm, I'm not selling drugs to kids. I'm not cheating in relationships. I'm not, right, those are the bad people. I'm mostly okay. But it's not true. All of us are like this. Let me, let me just a little, very little illustration, just by way to convince you, then we'll move on. Have you ever told a lie? Yes. All right, good. Thank you, Lucy. Uh, if anyone says no, you're a liar. So you just told one, right? All good. What do we call people who tell lies? A liar, right? So I am a liar. You are a liar. Have you ever... Uh, 
had slightly naughty thoughts about somebody else, sexual naughty thoughts about someone else. We ever lusted. Because see, Jesus says that the, just the person who's lusted in their eyes is the same as the adulterer. Right? You have committed adultery with somebody else. So, so what are we then if we have lusted after someone in our minds? What are we? No, we're lying adulterers. Right? Get it right. Have you ever hated somebody? Have you ever been angry enough at someone else to just... Uh, you ever had one of those kind of visceral moments? Pretty sure I had a couple against my kids this week. Anyway, it's been a trying week. Jesus says, if you hate someone in your heart, it's the same as if you've murdered somebody. So what are we? Ah, very good. Someone picked it up, right? We're not just murderers. We're lying, adulterous murderers. That doesn't sound so good, does it? I mean, we make joke, we make light, we have a bit of a laugh, but it's the truth. You can't have fellowship with God if you walk in darkness. But there is a way. There is a way to have fellowship with God. There is a way into this eternal life, and that is to walk in the light. Have a look again at 1 John. Again, verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and don't live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. See, if we live in the light of reality as it is, the fact that we are by nature dark walkers rather than denying our sinfulness, then there are, John says, two benefits. There's fellowship. We have fellowship with God and with each other. And we have cleansing, purification from sin. Now, fellowship, one of those benefits, really we're going to talk much more about next week. Right, that's really the heart of next week. He's talking about this connection to God that therefore makes us love each other. That's how this fellowship is displayed. Walking in light results in love for each other. Next week. Really this week I want to focus on the second of those, purification from all sin. Now you realise there's a problem. If Jesus is right and we're all sinners... We all walk in darkness. And if you walk in darkness, you cannot have fellowship with God because God is light. Then how can we claim to have fellowship with God? Either Christians are perfect, which is pretty obviously not true, or it's impossible to have fellowship with God, which is pretty bad news. Unless... Unless there is a way of being cleansed, of being washed, of being purified, of sin being dealt with. It's not that we don't sin, but is there a way of sin being done away? And I'm going to tell you, this is the heart of Christianity. If you, if you hear nothing else today, please hear this. I want to just tell you, show you the, the, the very centre of it. This is the message. Christians are not sinless people. Christians are not sinless people. It's not like we have somehow found this excellent moral path that we are able to walk in a way that other people can't. That's, that is not a Christian person. 
Right? It's not about living a particular lifestyle or being a certain ethnicity or, or a particular socioeconomic group or a level of education or being able to not swear. Or it, it, It's not a moral path. Christians are not sinless people. Christians are forgiven people. And you know the only prerequisite to be forgiven? Do you know what it is? There's one prerequisite to being forgiven. It's like at school when the teacher asks the question and you're like, what answer does the teacher want me to give right now? Thank you, Ken. The one prerequisite to being forgiven is having done the wrong thing. If you haven't done the wrong thing, there's nothing to forgive, is there? If you are a sinner, well, guess what? You need forgiveness. Brilliant. Christians are sinners, but forgiven. Mercy is given, dealt with. <laughs> you want to come and become a Christian? Then we are, we are a strange club. We are like no other. You go and join the golf club, right? And they're going to ask you for character references and, and people to talk you up about how good you are. You come to the church, the only thing you've got to be able to do is say, I'm a scumbag. <laughs> Brilliant. Come on in. You'll fit right in. Walking in the light does not begin with moral achievement, does not begin with being the right sort. It begins with cleansing from sin. See, here's the second truth about sin. Have a look at verse 9 with me. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, it's the opposite of walking in the darkness. In the darkness, you hide it, you deny it, you bury it, you ignore it, you make excuses for it. You come into the light and you say, yes, I, I'm, I'm a sinner. Here it is. Here's my past. I'm not proud of it. I'm sorry. And in confession, in openness, in admitting it, in the opposite of that dark denial, there is forgiveness and there is purification of sin. It's funny, isn't it? Because where there is forgiveness, it's so much easier to confess. You think about a relationship for a moment with somebody who's abusive, somebody who's harsh. You're never going to want to tell them the stuff you've done wrong. I had a boss once who was just an unpleasant person. And you knew that if you ever admitted to a mistake, just it wasn't like you'd done something wicked. You just had an accident or did something wrong. You knew they were just going to come down here like a ton of bricks. And what happened was nobody ever confessed to anything. You just hit it. But when, you, when there's somebody who you know is forgiving, you know that they, they, they're going to love you and care for you and walk you through whatever it is that's happened and, and pay if needed and change things. It's so much easier to come before them and say, oh, I made a mistake. I've done the wrong thing. And in fact, even in this case, abundant forgiveness, such that we can come and say, not just I made a mistake, but I've done the wrong thing. <coughs> in fact, even more than forgiveness... Walking in the light brings a defense, a, a, a defender, if you like, an advocate. Look down at chapter 2. Chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Okay? Forgiveness doesn't mean encouragement to sin. You don't do the wrong thing. But if anybody does sin, 
we have one who speaks to the Father in our defence. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Someone stands in the courtroom for us. Jesus, the one who died, rose again to new life. Remember last week, ascended into heaven where he's standing before the Father. He stands in our defence and listen to what he says. Chapter 2, verse 2, this is who Jesus is. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is, he is the one who paid the price. Purified of all sin, because it's already paid for. It's as if we had, we'd been given a life sentence. And I don't mean life sentence in the, sake or in, the, in the sense of you're going to go to jail for life. I mean life sentence in the sense of your life is demanded from you. Right? We, we call that a death sentence for some reason. But anyway, right? death sentence has been passed on us. You need to die for the wrong you've done before God. And Jesus just stands up and says, sorry, I already did that. It's already paid. Satan, the accuser, stands and he's about to read this massive long list of all the rubbish you've done in your life. Right? It's long. It's going to take a while. And he gets up to start to read it and Jesus says, excuse me, Your Honour, um, is, is there any point to this? I've already paid. It doesn't matter what he's done. It doesn't matter how long that list is. It doesn't matter how black it is or red for that matter. I've, I've already paid. Done. Mercy is available for this one. But that brings us all the way back to that question we started with. How can you have mercy and justice? Did you notice as I read verse 9 how weird a verse it is? You notice it's a very strange verse. I'll read it again. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I would think that it would read, God is faithful and loving. God is faithful and merciful. God is faithful and kind to forgive us our sins how is it that god can be just and forgive see forgiveness can't you don't just sweep it under the carpet i'm going to forgive you we're just going to pretend it never happened we'll just ignore it there's no consequences there's no bad stuff comes from it i mean can you imagine right that kid who was murdered by esteban and, and ryan right Luis, his name was can you imagine his family at that moment where Schwarzenegger says, that's it, we're commuting your sentence. And they go, well, where's, where's justice? Oh, no, it's okay, he's been forgiven. So it doesn't matter. We just go back to how things were. <coughs> no. Forgiveness requires the wronged party to take the cost on themselves. That's how it can happen. That's how you can have both justice and mercy that is how you can pay what is required and show mercy to the one who did the wrong i'll show you a let, let me tell you just a, a dumb little illustration uh my car's parked out the back right big blue kia carnival imagine after church one of you lot goes out there and dings it as you're leaving poof you hit the car please don't right but just you, you do right Someone's got to pay for those repairs. Justice says you should. Right, you're the one who hit the car. You, you're the one who should pay for the repairs. Forgiveness involves me saying, it's okay, you don't have to pay. 
someone still has to pay. The car is still dinged. I'll pay it. A very simple illustration, but it's exactly what Jesus does. God himself enters into the world and says, the death that you deserve, it's okay. You don't have to pay it. I will. It's in Jesus' death that simultaneously justice and mercy occur. For evil is punished. Our evil is punished in him. And yet God can show us mercy (laughs) to say, you are purified, you are cleansed, you are forgiven. Did you notice the very end, chapter 2 and verse 2? He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And just for, for a little select club. This is for you, for me, for every one of us. An offer that is, well, a message that can bring you into eternal life. Walk in the light. Allow the truth to open your eyes about yourself. That you might be able to come before God, recognising that you are someone who walks in darkness, recognising your own sin, such that you can say to him, can you, can you please forgive me? It's, there's a little way of remembering it, ABC. Very simple way of remembering it, right? You've got to admit, you've got to admit your sin. You've got to believe, AB, admit, believe. You've got to believe that Jesus' death was in your place. You've got to commit, commit your life to him. Commit your life to walking in the light. Now, if you're here today, you're not a Christian, you know that you're walking in the darkness still. You know that well and truly of yourself. It starts there. I want to invite you to come along to Christianity Explored. It's a, it's a, it's a four-week course. I don't know if course is a good word for it. We get together for dinner at my place over the course of four weeks. I'll share some stuff with you from the Bible and about Jesus. And you've got a chance to ask whatever questions you want or just to sit and listen. It's worth it. Come and find out more. Best news you've ever heard, and it's free. It's good feed. Now, if you're a Christian, though, I want to encourage you, walk in the light. Walk in the light. You cannot have fellowship with God if you are still walking in darkness. If your sin is hidden, if you sit underneath this cloud and you're just like, it doesn't matter, no one can see, you're right. God is light. In him there is no darkness. Do you really think that your little hidden sin is something that he's not going to expose? Shine light into the areas of your life that need it. The last few little while I've had a couple of people come and share with me, Christian people, some, some really deep, dark sin that they wrestle with. It's chronic, it's been going for a long time. They're struggling with it. And the thing that was most telling about it was how hard they found to speak about it. It was just this little thing that lived in the darkness would not be brought into the light. By contrast, uh, I worked with a guy. I'll finish with this story. I worked with a guy uh, 
a number of years ago now. Uh, I worked in IT. Okay, just a little bit of context. I worked in IT. And uh, this was at a, at a boys' school. Uh, now, if you know anything about teenage boys, you know they've only got two things on the mind. Uh, food and sex, right? And so working in IT in this boys' school, uh, we were part of the people responsible for trying to stop them from accessing porn, essentially. You just knew that they were going to try. I mean, they were going to try and find their way around it one way or the other. It made it, though, that it was a very difficult environment to work in as a Christian because if you're trying to restrict stuff from other people, inevitably you are going to encounter it. It It's just one of those struggles. Uh, Anyway met this guy. I was a contractor, so I just arrived first day. Uh, we knew each other as Christians. He, we, he knew my sister. And so first day, kind of introducing ourselves, he goes, I need to ask a favour of you. Sure, go on, shoot. And he goes, I struggle with porn. Can you help keep me accountable? I'm just like, wow, we just met. Sure. Okay, great. A couple of days later, I heard that same guy meeting someone else. Another guy who just joined the team, new Christian guy, says, hi, I'm so-and-so, I've got a favour to ask of you. I'm like, man, I know where this is going. And he's like, I, I struggle with porn. Can you? And I'm like, well, what? And he says to me, I just make it a habit of every Christian man I meet telling them the sin that I'm battling to get them to help me. Now, there's a man who's just got a big, fat spotlight, just going down into the darkness into life, right? absolute opposite of hiding now i'm not saying that after church we're all going to get together and just in order we're going to be like all right you now you now you right i kind of also don't recommend just random people you've just met just (laughs) not great to be to be honest not great um but just by way of illustrating right walk in the light there is a message that can bring you into eternal life By nature, we walk in darkness, a darkness that means we cannot have fellowship with God. But Jesus has died. God himself entered into our world such that miraculously there is both mercy and justice. Our wrong properly paid for such that we might have his life. Now, next week... As we come to the next part of chapter 2, I think there's two kinds of people, just in, in doing a quick little think forward, that it might be a really helpful message for. It might be helpful for the sort of person who is just wrestling with what's the point of life. It, it does, doesn't have a, a meaning, a sense. What's, what's the basis? What on earth should I be living for? We're going to see next week that there is something to live for and it results, it flows into loving other people. Right? That, that, that's a very satisfying and fulfilling way of living. And it might be a helpful message for somebody who calls themselves a Christian but really doesn't walk in the light. (laughs) Right? I'm a Christian, but they're just off into the darkness. It'll be a message helpful for those two kinds of people, I think, at the very least. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ in whose death you have brought about both justice and mercy. And Father, thank you that you offer it to us for our wrong to be borne by him such that his life might come to us. We don't deserve it. It is purely by your kindness and so thank you. Father, if there are those among us who are still walking in darkness, would you open their eyes, shine light, 
Teach them to be able to see themselves honestly, to know the consequences of those actions in that life, that they might come to Jesus and find life in him. Amen.